1: We are not experts or
0: therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully that it is.
1: Hi, this is Terry. Bridget is still on vacation, so psychologist Dr. Anita Sands, or Anita as she prefers to be called, is stepping in again as co host. Hello, Anita.
2: Hi, Terry. Nice to be back.
1: Nice to have you.
2: Last week, our guest, Patty, shared about her mental health journey with bipolar disorder and how she has only recently started using CBT or cognitive behavior therapy to challenge her thoughts and ultimately change the way that she feels and behaves.
1: Today, we're going to do a deeper dive into CBT in the spirit of sharing yet another therapy and practice that could help us better manage our depression bipolar disorder, anxiety, and other mental health conditions.
2: Our guest today is Dr. David Jacoby from Rogers Behavioral Health in Wisconsin, where Giving Voice to Depression is headquartered. He'll explain exactly what CBT is and why it's considered one of the most effective evidence-based treatments for depression. We'll also discuss some things to avoid doing if you're trying to manage depression for yourself or help a loved one who is suffering. Here now is Dr. David Jacoby giving his voice to depression.
3: Cognitive behavior therapy, you can think of it as a triangle, really. At one point, there is emotional response, depression or anxiety or anger, whatever that might be. Another corner of the triangle would be our thoughts. Typically, these are maladaptive thoughts, thoughts about ourselves, about others, about our future, especially as they relate to depression. And then the behavioral component is the other corner of the triangle. And that corner is really, when you think about depression or even anxiety, it's going to be a lot of avoidance, isolation, staying away from, in part, because of how I feel.
2: If you're a visual learner, it might help to picture that triangle in your head with emotions, thoughts, and behaviors at the points. Now imagine arrows going from each in both directions.
3: Now there's an interplay between these three facets. It's very difficult to change an emotion directly. You know, it would certainly be nice if we woke up, we didn't feel well, snap our fingers, and say, I'm just gonna be happy today. Uh, very difficult for us to do that. What we generally have to do, and why it's called cognitive behavior therapy, is that we can look at the thoughts, those maladaptive thoughts, and begin to see, are those really accurate? Do those really reflect me or other people or the environment that I live in? Uh, I can also look at behavior. What can I do differently? And certainly with depression, it's going to be to reduce that avoidance, reduce that isolation, reconnect in some way with my life that um, has been so altered by this mood disorder.
2: So our feelings, thoughts, and behaviors are all interconnected, and they influence each other. And the best way to change depressive feelings is to not try to feel better, whatever that would look like. The fastest way to change our feelings is to actually work on the other two points of the triangle and challenge our depressive thoughts and work on changing our depressive behaviors.
3: Not only do those interact with each other or influence each other, but they also will influence how I feel. So my thoughts are more realistic, more balanced. That will help me feel somewhat better. That will also influence my willingness to engage or re-engage in my life. That re-engagement will influence the thoughts and that will also influence those emotional responses.
2: So on those days when everything from getting out of bed to showering or even answering a call suddenly feels impossible, if you can push yourself to get started, That action can shift all aspects of the CBT triangle.
3: You know, we want people to see the benefits of doing this. And when we look at the behavioral part, and that really does seem to be the more powerful component of that cognitive behavioral model, to see myself doing something different. And when we talk about treatment for depression, we really are talking about something called behavioral activation.
2: So this is key. Remember the arrows we asked you to envision going in both directions on the triangle? Our feelings affect our thoughts and behaviors. Our thoughts affect our feelings and behaviors. And our behaviors affect our thoughts and feelings. Each thing affects the other two. To get the best results, we have to try to change our depressive behaviors first, what Dr. Jacoby called behavioral activation, doing something, anything different.
3: I have a trigger to my emotional response. I'm going through a divorce. I haven't done well academically. Job is not going well. I had an argument with my partner. That can lead to a negative emotional response, right? So I feel sad. I feel frustrated. I feel down. I feel hopeless. Then what typically happens when people are feeling like that is they engage in what we call avoidance patterns. So I stay away from. If, for example. I have uh, done poorly on an exam, Uh, I may feel, again, fairly down, sad about that.
2: And as many of us know, we often respond to those sad feelings by isolating ourselves and avoiding everything because it provides some immediate relief from having to deal with the situation that makes us sad or stressed. It seems a helpful strategy. But Dr. Jacoby says the avoidance actually ends up maintaining the depression because there's no opportunity to get any good, rewarding feelings from engaging with life.
3: So then we talk about, well, what's the alternative? So again, exam, I don't do well. Response, I feel negative, sad, hopeless. But instead of gauging in that avoidance, those avoidance patterns, I do something called active coping. In the case of the exam, I might say, okay, I just need to talk to my teaching assistant or professor. I need to have a study group or form that. Maybe by doing these different things, being more active in the process, I'm more likely then to do well on the next exam.
2: Again, just doing something, anything that isn't avoidance, can begin to shift our thoughts and our feelings. Being active sends a signal to ourselves that we are not helpless because, look, we are doing something. We're being helpful to ourselves. And if we are suffering from depression, we can use all the help that we can give ourselves.
3: The process of being active helps me. I feel better when I'm out doing, when I'm trying to improve myself or problem solve my situation. That becomes then more likely that I'm going to do well on that next exam. And that that becomes then very reinforcing.
2: So it can become an upward moving process out of depression to do something, then feel good about doing something, and then be more likely to do more things in the future. Because we tend to want to do things that make us feel good. Jacoby goes on to say that there are three categories of helpful activities we can improve on to reduce depression. Routine activities, pleasurable activities, and valued activities.
3: Activities that are more routine, getting up, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, Those are maybe very basic things that we do every day. When we're feeling well, that's not a problem. When we're struggling with depression, those things become very, very difficult. So we have our individuals with depression create a list of different routine activities that they've really been struggling with. We then have them rate what we call pleasurable activities. What are some things that you enjoy doing or used to enjoy doing? We want you to re-engage in those because one of the hallmark symptoms of depression is anhedonia, a loss of pleasure in things that I used to do. So I don't really enjoy doing some of the things that I used to do when I was feeling better. We want people to re-engage and do that. The third category are what we call valued activities. So these are, again, things that I do that are strong values of of me. So things like um, relationship building. I wish I could spend more time with my kids, with my partner. Uh, It could be volunteering.
2: Doing the best we can with those activities, given our unique circumstances, is what helps us the most.
3: And what we try to do is to meet people where they are with regard to their mood, their energy levels and assign some of these things, right? So your goal for today is to get up, take a shower, go for a walk over to the quick trip and back. All right, great. Then we may want to assign something pleasurable, watch a movie that you've been wanting to see. Next step, valued activity. Can we look into something that you might be interested in doing from a volunteer perspective? And over time, what happens is they get these sort of experiences of reward or positive reinforcement that helps them with their mood. Their mood feels just a little bit better each time they do them. And they do these things consistently and daily and over and over. And before they know it, they kind of step themselves out of that feel, those feelings of depression to the point where their energy is better, their concentration's better their appetite, sleep, all those things have improved in a way that they're able then to function in the way that they would like.
2: But to get there, we've got to take the steps to climb out of depression's pit and grip, even if we feel like we don't have the energy to get out of bed, shower, or do routine responsibilities. Dr. Jacoby explains that often the motivation to do an activity actually follows doing the activity instead of coming before. So you don't want to wait to feel motivated before you do something you've committed to doing. You want to Nike it and just do it.
3: You're not going to necessarily want to do these things. You're not going to be motivated to do these things. I just want you to make a commitment to say, I'm going to try them. I'm going to commit to getting up at a certain time. I'm going to commit to having that shower or watching that movie or spending time with my child, even though I may not feel all that much better. I'm still doing something active. I'm doing something that has a chance of being rewarding for me in some way. And so it's trusting the process As I do, that helps me feel a little better, which motivates me to do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, again, until I start noticing that I'm feeling better.
2: So building motivation is a lot like building muscle strength. You can't wait to go to the gym and lift weights until you have stronger muscles. You have to go to the gym first when you don't have strong muscles and build them little by little. We asked Dr. Jacoby, if CBT is something we can do on our own, or if it helps to work with a professional or someone else who can provide a little bit of accountability and motivation, especially when motivation is low.
3: It, it is nice to have someone to support you in that process, You know, whether that's an individual therapist, whether you're in a program that has... Other individuals who are struggling with depression to kind of cheer you on, applaud your successes. I think that can be really, really powerful in this process of getting well and staying well.
2: Cheering someone on can be very helpful, but there's another side to support that also needs to be considered. Sometimes, by being understanding and picking up the slack, we can end up accidentally making it harder for a family member or friend to recover.
3: There is something that we see across different mental health conditions, something called symptom accommodation. It's very well-intended behaviors on the part of the family to alleviate their loved one's distress. A scenario would be, you know, you're, you're struggling with depression, you're able to make it to work, but you come home, you're just you just look tired, you are tired, you say, I'm not feeling well. And your spouse says, you know, you you really look like you've had a hard day. Why don't you just go lay down and I'll take care of making dinner tonight. I'll take care of the kids tonight. Get them ready for bed. Again, well intended. The individual with depression may say thank you. You know, I do feel in the short term better. Unfortunately, what's happening there is inadvertently the loved one is really reinforcing what we would call a depressed behavior. Right? The avoidance, the isolation, the not being activated right? and helping with basic you know, chores around the house or just enjoying the interaction with their, their kids.
2: Instead, Dr. Jacoby explains what's most helpful is an empathetic response that also encourages engagement, trying to find the sweet spot of being understanding without enabling depressive behaviors.
3: So I want to validate, I want to show that I support, that I understand and empathize with your experience. Having said that, I also want to encourage activation. I want to encourage that person to do as much as they can do because I know that's going to give them a better chance of not only feeling better, but also, if nothing else, reducing that avoidance and isolation, which I know will lead to more feelings of depression and sadness.
2: Jacoby says medications are essential for many people suffering from depression.
3: To me, it's another tool in the toolbox. Uh, I know there's a, a fair amount of misunderstanding and even stigma attached to taking medications. What I would say in my experience is that it really helps a lot of individuals. If for no other reason, it allows them to be able to do the behavioral activation right? So I feel well enough that I can engage my life. I can do those activating sort of behaviors that I know are also going to be helpful for me.
2: But Jacoby reminds us, it's not just about medication. It's all the things together, challenging our thoughts, committing to change our behaviors, and doing these things consistently, even when we don't feel like it, especially when we don't feel like it.
3: There's lots of different components to Getting well and staying well. And, you know, it's hard to say that we'll only do this and this is the only thing that will work. There's going to be multiple things, I think, that come to bear that um, will lead to someone being able to manage their depression and then stay healthy once they get healthy.
1: Boy, I have been in and out of therapy for decades, and oddly, CBT has never come up. And listening to this and last week's episodes, I can see how useful it could be with depression.
2: It absolutely is, Terry. And having been a therapist for decades, I can say that this is one of the most effective uh, treatments that we have for depression. And one of the things I really want to emphasize is that no step that you take to, to do something or anything differently is too small. I many times have asked my clients who are in a very severe depressive episode to just make a commitment to move from their bed to the couch, even if all they're going to do is just sleep or lie on the couch. I want them to be in a different room with different stimuli. And it's a step that you wouldn't think you should get a lot of credit for. But it is the beginning of making the change, of doing something different.
1: Mm-hmm. We talk about the small wins all the time, right? And, and something like a shower can sound very small. But to people who are really in it, that is a huge thing. And it can shift everything.
2: Absolutely. Again, no step is too small.
1: I also really liked your word choice when you said that when you're in depression, you can use all the help you can give yourself instead of saying all the help you can get.
2: Absolutely. It's important that you focus on learning to understand yourself and supporting yourself, encouraging yourself, cheering yourself on. It is an internal process. And some of the most effective ways out of it is the help that you're going to give to yourself. Nice.
1: Well, we got a double whammy this week. We had two doctors. So thank you for jumping in and co-hosting. And thank you to Dr. Jacoby for sharing his experience and expertise with us as well.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Terry.
1: And next week, I will be back with a surprise announcement about a change that's going to be taking place here at Giving Voice to Depression. Um, It'll be a good one, don't worry, and we'll still be putting out episodes every week, but there will be some changes, so stay tuned.
0: We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's
1: we invite you to join us for daily posts on the giving voice to depression facebook page and on twitter and instagram at voice depression it is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road
0: and remember if you're struggling speak up if someone else is listen up